glad to be back with you today and so grateful. Uh, we had a marvelous Christmas at, at our place and we got to go down south and visit with our, uh, our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. What a bunch of us. <laughs> you get a whole bunch of people together in one house and everybody's trying to open a gift and it's bedlam. But uh, and, and then when you try to get to the table to eat, you want to make sure that uh, there's something there for you. So pick up something because it's going to go very fast. Um, Miss Betty, I want to thank you so much for the song selection that you've done uh, every Sunday that I've been here. And today especially set my soul afire. My wife and I as we were driving this morning we were I, I told her I said you know that song that we used to sing set my soul afire Lord set my that would be a good song to sing with the message this morning and we didn't communicate about that but uh, thank you so much uh, the, the Lord communicates in a special way set my soul afire Lord and then do you, do you remember the song that we used to sing and you know I say we used to because I don't hear it very often anymore <laughs> revive us again revive us again fill each heart with thy love um, and, and with fire from above you know uh, that's that's what we're talking about to have a, a burning heart for the new year it very very important now all of you know or should know by this time this is my last Sunday to be with you at least for a while I heard about a preacher who went to preach a revival meeting and on the very first service that preacher said, I want you to use your Bibles. And there was a man in the congregation. He said, praise the Lord. Well, you know, that preacher said, we're going to have a great revival with the spirit like that. And then as he was reading the scripture, he talked about Jesus. And when he mentioned the name Jesus, the man said, wonderful. And the preacher was so excited. He said, we're going to have a great revival. Uh, and, and, and then uh, as, he, as he came to the conclusion of his service, um, he was talking about sin and what it does to our life. And how he said, I'm against it with all the energy of my being. I'm against sin. And that dear man said, Lord, help us all. You know, and so the preacher said, man, we're going to have a great revival. And they had a great revival. Well, the last day the preacher got up and said, this is my last time to be with you. And the man said, praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> and the preacher said, you know, I probably am not going to get to be with you again, at least for a long time. And, and he said, wonderful, you know. He said, but you know, the time probably will come that I'll be with you again and we'll never be parting again. And he said, Lord, help us all. And so, I don't know how you feel today, but we're, we're, at, the, we're at the point where all of us need to say, Lord, help us all, help us all. Now, if you have your Bible with you today, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 12 and 13. Now I want to remind you that as we stand on the threshold really of a new year, that there's no telling what we're going to experience. Now before I, before I read the passage, uh, I, I heard a preacher this morning real early. Now most of you know that I'm an early riser. I get up usually at 3 o'clock. Um, and as often as I can, I like to listen to preachers. I, I love good preaching. I, uh, I, I love preachers, and I love especially good preachers. 
church. And I listened a little bit this morning to Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's with the Lord now. He's probably my favorite preacher of all times. But he uh, he quoted uh, a poem. And, uh, and, and so I went back and I found the poem. And I said, you know, that's, I, I've got to memorize it myself. And it's called Sitting by the Fire. And he said, when frost was on the pumpkin and the wind was raising high, rising higher, he spent his time just this way, sitting by the fire. While others worked to win the lost, he never seemed to tire, for he spent his time just this way, sitting by the fire. And when he died by slow degrees, some said he had gone up higher, but if he's doing what he used to do, he's sitting by the fire. <laughs> and so I thought I'd just share that with you folks. Uh, and the, Bible, the, the Bible uses the word fire in reference to God, and it also uses the word fire in reference to judgment. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire, and uh, the Bible also teaches us that God... Is is revealed to man uh, in fire. There's a lot that we can learn by studying the passages that have to do with fire. And of course, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came uh, and the church was born, uh, the tongues of fire sat upon each one that were there. And so uh, we want the fire of God to shine brightly out of our lives. Let me read the text this morning out of Leviticus chapter 6. And we're looking at verses 12 and 13. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And would you bow with me for a word of prayer as we thank God for this passage. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you speak to us uh, in so many different ways, but you speak to us loudest through your word and by your spirit. And so I pray this morning that your word will be implanted in our lives, that we'll be strengthened with might in our inner person, that we might be more like Jesus when we leave here today than we were when we came, that we might be mindful to do the work that you've assigned to us. And Lord, that we'll not be fretful, that we'll not be fearful, but that we will be faithful, that we'll do about, go about our assignments with a cheerful heart, singing and making melody in our hearts uh, to you. And Lord, I pray that uh, the, the year that we're looking at as, as we approach 2015, that this will be a, a year of praise, a year of thankfulness, a year of fruitfulness, uh, a year of faithfulness on our part to you because you're always faithful to us. And Father, we pray that your mercy and your grace will abound in our lives. We love you and we praise you and give you glory today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now we're going to be looking at several different passages today. But as I've already mentioned about uh, 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 about the new year, 
I, I want the I want 2015, the year ahead of us, to really count for God, and I think that you do too. And I know that the church wants you uh, wants wants it to be a year that counts for God. I I, I want the year ahead to be a year of uh, prosperous and productive work for the Lord. Uh, I, I want it to be the kind of year that we can look back on in the years to come and view it as one of the best years of our lives as far as eternal things are concerned. And eternal things are concerned. The beginning of a new year is a time whenever we can start afresh about things. It, it ought to be a time when we aim higher, whenever we reach further, when we dream bigger, and when we believe stronger. I mean, every year we ought to grow in grace and in knowledge of our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus. Every year we ought to be bigger and better Christians for the glory of God. Can you say amen to that? Um, you know, folks, I've been at this thing since I was 15. That means 66 years I've been at it. Calvin, I don't know how long you've been at it, but I think you've been at it a pretty good while. Brother Bob back there, I know that you've been at it a good long while, and some of the rest of you have been at it a good long while. But I haven't finished growing yet. I haven't gotten perfect yet. Please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Can you say that for your life? Amen. Amen. I mean, we've all got some growing to do. We've all we, 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 we've all got some perfecting to do in our lives. And so I want it to be uh, the 2015 to be a year of great spiritual advancement and achievements. Um, I believe that there's one thing that's absolutely essential if that's going to happen. I believe that we must have and we must keep a burning heart. There has to be a burning heart. Just like our passage says in Leviticus. There's got to be fire on the altar at all times. It shall never go out. A burning heart will help us function with unction. That means that we're going to have the ability to do energetically what needs to be done for God. And don't let your age stop you from working for God. I mean, if you can't walk and do things at least you can pray and do things. Uh, and whenever you can't go out and knock on doors and talk to people, you can you can sit down in a chair, read God's Word, bow your head, and keep a prayer journal and pray for people. Uh, people need our prayer. There's always something that you can do. In Leviticus 6, we read about the fire that burned upon the sacrificial altar. In verse 12, we read that the fire upon the altar shall be burning on it. And note carefully these words, it shall not be put out. You're not to put the fire out. Verse 13 says, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Now, the the wood for the fire was placed there on the altar by the priest early every morning and the fire was never to go out and just so we who 
are called to be kings and priests unto God. The New Testament teaches us every believer is a king and a priest. We're royal, we're royal blue bloods. And we're priests, which means we have access to the throne of God. We can talk to God. He listens to us and he answers us according to his will. Uh, we Every morning we ought to kindle anew the flame of divine devotion in our hearts that it may warm all the service that we render in the name of Christ and shine brightly through all the duties and all of the events of the day. I am convinced in my heart that if we start the day right, we'll end the day right. I mean, if you if you start off glorifying God and asking for His will to be done, you're going to be more sensitive about that throughout the course of the day. Now, whenever the Old Testament tabernacle was dedicated, the Lord sent fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice on the altar. And uh, the, the priests were to keep wood on the fire and to see to it that the fire never went out. It was a fire that was to burn continually and like the fire burning on the altar, we must never let the fire go out in our hearts. You know, I've been preaching for well over 55 years and I tried to remember how many sermons I've heard from Leviticus. Now, some of you long-termers, think back. How many sermons have you heard from the book of Leviticus? Uh, outside of outside of a passage in the 17th chapter of Leviticus that says uh, that the life of the flesh is in the blood thereof and I've given it to you upon the altar for an atonement for your souls that's about the only thing that I ever heard out of Leviticus and so I'm challenged this morning taking this text and, and preaching on it because I, I think that of all of the books in the Old Testament that we know the least about is probably Leviticus do you know that Leviticus, what, what the big subject is? It's the holiness of God. God says, be you holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And seven times in the book of Leviticus, he talks about being holy. And Peter, in chapter 1, I think verses 15 and 16, quotes it as saying, be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. So eight times in the word of God, we're instructed over and over again to be holy. And to be holy is to be set apart. To be set apart is to be different. And to be different is to be more like God than more like our old carnal selves. We want to be individuals that glorify God who are, are obedient to his word uh, and, and who love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the book of Leviticus speaks to us about the way to God. It speaks to us about the walk with God. It speaks to us about the worship of God. And it speaks to us about the witness to God. In Leviticus, great spiritual truths are enshrined in vivid symbols. And the New Testament counterpart of Leviticus is the book of Hebrews. And you just finished studying about the book of Hebrews in, in Sunday school. And I want to remind you again, folks, how important Sunday school is. It's Bible study time. Uh, we need to learn more about the Bible. If you're not enrolled in Sunday school, you you ain't got no class. 
Amen. Come on, regular attenders. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, there are many lessons that we can learn from a study of the Old Testament tabernacle and its furnishings, but the thing that I want us to notice is that the altar is a type of the cross and of Christ. The altar is a type of Christ and the uh, and, and his cross. The altar was the largest piece of furniture that was placed at, at the entrance of the tabernacle. The first thing as, as you went to the tabernacle, you entered the gate into the outer court and the altar was right there. That altar was seven and a half feet long, was seven and a half feet wide. It was a square and four and a half feet high. And tradition tells us that all of the other furniture of the tabernacle could be placed inside the altar. And as they went from place to place, they carried all of that furniture in the altar. Very interesting. And the New Testament teaches that in Christ we have the fullness of the Godhead. All of the treasures of God are in Jesus Christ. And so when you have Jesus, you have everything. Don't try to look for another experience. Don't try to listen to people that tell you, well, you've got to get a second or a third blessing. I passed up the second blessing, but I tell you, I've gotten millions of blessings after that. And so I'm not satisfied with just one. I want everything that God has for me. But you know what? We're never going to understand all of that until we have a glorified body and we're with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, why should we keep the fire burning in our hearts? I want to draw your attention to three Bible personalities and the effect of a burning heart in their lives. Uh, I want us to see why we must keep a burning heart. So the first thing I want to call your attention to is Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. We need a burning heart to keep us going. A burning heart to keep us going. And uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 and we read these words then i said i will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and i was weary with forbearing and i could not stay now in very simple words jeremiah the prophet was saying that he was going to quit preaching he was ready to get out of the ministry Brother Calvin, you ever felt that way? <laughs> uh, any other preachers in the congregation, you felt that way? Any Sunday school teachers, you felt that way? I'm going to give it up. Any of you deacons, you, have, you felt that way? You know, I just feel like sometimes giving it up, There's, it's such a heavy burden. Uh, maybe the ushers, maybe some of the, the, uh, the music director, the pianist, the organist, the, uh, those that sing special. Sometimes you just say, what's the use? I'm going to just give it up. Well, I'm going to tell you, don't quit. Don't quit. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Serve Him. Love Him. Uh, what, what we do, we do out of love for Him. 
And it's not always easy. And we don't always get thanked. And we're not always appreciated. But stay with it. Stay at it. Never give up. Never turn away from it. And so Jeremiah was going through uh, a tough time. Uh, he was like one fellow that I heard about on Sunday morning. Uh, his mother noticed that uh, her son wasn't up and ready for church. Probably you've heard this before. Uh, she went to wake him up. She said, come on, get up. It's time to get ready for church. You, I don't want you to miss church today. And he said, no. He said, I don't want to go today. I'm tired. Uh, and he buried his head under the pillow. And, and she said, yes, you've got to go to church today. Now get up. And he said, no, I'm not going to church. And I have two reasons why. She said, why? And he said, well, those people down there don't like me. And number two, I don't like them. And she said, well, there are two reasons why you're going to go to church today. She said, number one, I'm your mother and I've taught you to always go to church on Sunday. And number two, you're the pastor of the church. Now get out of that bed. Oh, there's some times that we, uh, there are some times that we don't want to get out of that bed and do it. Well, when Jeremiah was ready to quit and notice what he was going through, number one, he was going through a difficult experience. Jeremiah, he was a faithful and, and a fearless preacher of God's word. In chapter 19, we read of how he entered into the Lord's house and how he brought a scathing message from God to the people. And in chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, uh, that pastor, one of the men uh, that he had dealings with, the chief captain of the temple guard, had Jeremiah beaten and put into stocks, and the word uh, struck or smote, or he had him whipped. Pastor had Jeremiah whipped and beaten, uh, and it would seem that uh, he was he was lashed. Uh, and the word stocks that he put Jeremiah in uh, was a very cruel form of punishment. Uh, it, uh, the word stocks in, in Jeremiah 20 and verse 2 means to twist, and it implies that the body was kept in a distorted position. Uh, there were five holes in the stocks, one for the head, two for the hands, and two for the feet, and the body was kept in a crooked posture uh, that made the, the that form of uh, punishment very discomforting. I don't know if it was as bad as waterboarding or not, but I have an idea it was very close to it, and there would be an argument. Well, you know, that's extreme uh, punishment. That's over and above what's, uh, what needs to be meted out, you know. And, well, you can see there, Jeremiah was going through uh, a difficult experience. Now, what difference does that make to us? Well, as we face a new year, there there's no guarantee that... Uh, we will not face troubles and difficult experiences. I mean, all of us go through them. Uh, God doesn't wrap his children uh, in trouble-free plastic baggies. We go through difficulties and trials in life just like other people do. God makes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. It, it works that way. And so we have to go through the same kind of things. The floods come, the fires come, the earthquakes come, and they come to Christians as well as non-Christians. And we have to go through trials and troubles and difficulties. Um, but God arches the rainbow of Romans 8.28 over all of our difficult experiences, and He gives us grace to endure them. 
For we know that all things work together for God to them that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. And so all things work together for good. It doesn't mean that all things are good, but they work together for good. It's like whenever you ladies bake a cake. Uh, you put in some flour and some salt and uh, some butter and uh, some flavoring and uh, some milk and I mean you put in a whole bunch of stuff and any one of those things by themselves is not so hot but when you put them all together and mix them up according to the recipe put it in uh, the pan and put it in the oven bake at a certain temperature for a certain length of time it comes out good And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Uh, It just works out that way. That's God's design. So the new year may bring things that we never expected or anticipated. There may be great days. There may be grievous days. There may be glad days. There may be sad days. Difficulties and troubles are not out of the realm of possibility for the children of God. So Jeremiah was going through a difficult experience, but also he was going through a discouraging experience. It's easy to understand why Jeremiah was discouraged. Even the strongest Christians would be affected by the things that he was going through. You see, we see he's discouraged in in, uh, chapter 20 and verse 7. It's says he he says oh lord thou hast induced or deceived me and i was deceived thou art stronger than i and hast prevailed i am in derision daily everyone mocketh me uh, you see what he was going through he, he he's saying god you you didn't explain everything to me whenever you called me but whenever you go back to chapter 1, you're going to find out that, that God did tell him that he was going to face some opposition. And he was going to have to make his head harder like a flint against them. But he said, I'm going to be with you, Jeremiah. I'm going to help you. And so we need to remember that even when we're going through some things, not to foolishly accuse God of not sharing all the information with me. Whenever we read this book, God has given us all the information that we need. And he said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can depend upon the presence of God. You can depend upon the power of God. You can depend upon the promises of God. God always keeps his word. Can you say amen? I mean, folks, I've been there, done that, moved on and bought the t-shirt. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a, a, a happy person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he, Jeremiah faced derision. The, the derision that he faced, the word derision speaks of being mocked and laughed at. Laughed at. Oftentimes we're mocked and laughed at. Uh, laughed at. People make fun of us. People look at us as, as though we're funny, funny people. Um, here, whenever they came by and saw Jeremiah in the stocks and saw him with his hands there and his feet there and his head in there, all twisted and contorted, uh, look at him, look at him, laugh at him, make fun of him. And they see us committed to Jesus Christ, uh, doing what we can in the name of the Lord, going to the church on Sunday morning, oftentimes coming back on Sunday night, coming during the, the week time, keep, keeping up the place repairing the building, putting paint on, fixing the grounds, 
practicing singing, coming in and doing the best that we can, fixing holes in the ceiling that the deacons stick their head, their legs through. well, you can't you, you can't say he's not active. I mean, and 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 I've been there, brother. I've been there right there with you. I fell through the ceiling one time, not of the sanctuary, but of a garage that we were tearing down and broke three ribs and had to be taken to the hospital. But we do crazy things, and people mock at us and say, you know, why are you doing that? And I'll tell you why: because we love Jesus, because we want to keep up the premises the way that they ought to be kept up. Uh, It's amazing to me, Bev and I were in a service recently that the kids were running around not being disciplined at all and coming up on the altar and doing jumping and playing and I said, you know, the church building is not a playground. This is a place where we come to worship. This is a place where we come to serve. We're not just to jump around and and and, and you know take things and throw things and, uh, and and do things like that. This is a place. I mean, we have fellowship, we have fun, but there is a limit to it. There there are there there are boundaries, and let's remember that. Uh, and the altar is a place where we come to pray. The altar is a place where we come to make decisions. It's not to be. We don't run around and jump around play around uh, well I get that off my chest I got that you know last week I got something off my chest but uh, something better this this week well yeah Jeremiah was going through struggles in his life and all of us go through struggles in our life uh, there was the derision that he faced and there was the deception that he felt he says to God oh Lord thou hast induced or deceived me he struggles with the feeling that God has let him down now I don't know if you ever feel like likely God has let you down, but uh, sometimes uh, when you're going through difficulties, you feel like God has let you down. I, I, I don't know why, but we feel that way sometimes. Uh, and that's whenever we're going through these difficulties and these times of discouragement, we really need a burning heart. We, 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 we need to know that we know that God loves us and has a plan for our life. But Jeremiah, what, how did he overcome it? Verse 9 of chapter 20 says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. He had a holy heartburn that tongues or rollades couldn't cure. Can you say amen to that? You see, when when God when God is at work in your life, there's going to be a holy heartburn. There's going to be something within you that responds to God's call, that responds to His word, and it's going to be like a fire. Do you know that God is disgusted with with uh, um, what I want to say? Lukewarm living. He, he wants you to either be cold or hot, but he says, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God is disgusted with that kind of thing. God wants us to have a burning heart. He wants us to serve him, uh, to love him more dearly, to see him more clearly, to serve him more nearly, to be like him. God wants that. You've got to have a burning heart. Well, uh, what will keep us from quitting? Well, the thing that will keep us from quitting is a burning heart. You have a burning heart. God's Word burning in your heart. Uh, before I move on, let me point out the source of Jeremiah's burning heart. 
It was God's Word. God's Word. That was burning in his heart. God's Word is precious. And may I say to you, you ought to read it every morning. You ought to think about it during the day. You ought to consult it in the evening. You ought to let it guide you in all that you do. You ought to be like the psalmist who said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, God's word is to be is to have a primary place in your life. And for the coming year, one of the goals that would help you tremendously is just simply to say, I'm going to read through the entire Bible during the year. Now, whenever you start reading and you come to all of so-and-so begat so-and-so and you see all those hard names and everything, don't let it discourage you. Just keep on reading, keep on reading. you get to the good part a little bit later on. <laughs> and so, uh, But read it and, and God will speak to your heart as you do so. Well, a burning heart is necessary to keep us going. Secondly, a burning heart is necessary to keep us growing. And I want you to turn. We're, we're going to go from... Jeremiah to David in Psalm 39 verse 3 we find David saying my heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned my heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned Jeremiah had a burning heart and so did David have a burning heart in David's burning heart we're reminded that a burning heart keeps us growing growing not just going. And let me explain by first noticing that he remembers his resolutions. He remembers his resolutions in in chapter 39 of the book of Psalms. And uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of the great American preachers in the 1700s, was known for making resolutions with God. And he had 70 such resolutions that he made whenever he was age 20. And he read them once a week. Jonathan Edwards. Can you imagine 70 resolutions? I'm not going to read all of them to you, but let me give you at least three of them. Um, Maybe just a couple. Uh, Resolution number six, he said, Resolve to live with all my might while I do live. I'm going to live with all my might. All right? And then resolution number seven, Resolved... Never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Wow. Uh, These are resolutions made by a man of God years and years ago. Those would be two good resolutions for all of us. Well, David also had made certain resolutions. In Psalm 39, he's he's recalling those resolutions. And we read in Psalm 39.1, he says, I said I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Boy, that is a great resolution. Those are great resolutions. David made, uh, he, he said, number one, he had resolved to take heed to his ways. Number two, he resolved not to sin with his tongue. Number three, he resolved to bridle his mouth. And so the new year is synonymous with making resolutions. I don't know what resolutions you might have made, uh, but resolutions are, are good if they're godly resolutions. Uh, don't be don't be resolving to do something that is not in God's plan for your life. Uh, and so some of the resolutions you might make, reading the Bible daily, to pray regularly, to attend church faithfully, 
you know, we're Southern Baptists, but do you know that we have some bedside Baptists? They wake up of a morning and decide to stay by the bedside rather than go to Sunday school and church. <laughs> bedside Baptists. I, uh, <clears throat> I've met a lot of them. Uh, another resolution, maybe tithing consistently. Uh, maybe another one, working energetically. And then as we were talking about witnessing, tell the good news, tell the good news. Witnessing personally. Taking God's word to people in need. How about living devoutly? Let it be known that you're a Christian. Your life is different because you belong to Jesus Christ. Well, David not only remembers his resolutions, but we also see he renews his resolutions. In Psalm 39, 2, he said, I was dumb or mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. So he made certain resolutions, but like all of us, they had kind of been shoved uh, to the back burner. And he had been silent. He says, I was dumb or, or mute with silence and slothful. I, I held my peace. Well, what brought about the renewal of his resolutions? It was a burning heart. A burning heart. And how? what was the source of the burning heart? It was God's word. In verse 3, he says, my heart was hot within me. His burning heart brought a personal revival and a renewal to keep his resolutions with God. Uh, whereas his spiritual life had been stable. That now he's passionate about living for God. <clears throat> Have we lost our passion? I mean, we ought to be passionate about it. Hey, folks, I've shared with you before. I'm 81 years old. Anyone want to go witnessing? Anyone want to be passionate about serving God? Listen, I haven't lost the fire. The fire is still there. The worst thing that you could do is forget your experience of grace. When God saved me as a 15-year-old boy, my life was changed irrevocably, unmistakably. Jesus Christ became the Lord of my life. And my life has been different for 66 years. He has been the Lord of my life. And I want to tell you that he makes a difference. And if you stay in God's word, if you read God's word and stay with God's people and do what he says to do, your life will be filled with excitement every day of your life. You'll wake up, uh, and like, like I said, you, you're not going to wake up saying, good Lord morning. You're going to wake up and say, good morning, Lord. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm looking forward to what God has for me. Well... God's Word will keep you going. Uh, And then the last thing I want to mention to you today, and I'm going to skip over some things because I want to finish up fairly much on time, get you to the cafeteria before the Methodists get there. Uh, We we need a burning heart to keep us going. We need a burning heart to keep us growing. But lastly, we need a burning heart to keep us glowing. To keep us glowing. You see, Jeremiah had a burning heart. David had a burning heart. But in Luke chapter 24, we read about the Emmaus uh, disciples, the disciples on the Emmaus road uh, after the resurrection of Jesus. And and these disciples were headed to their home. And and, uh, Luke 24 gives us the account of these two disciples. And we read in verse 32, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn with us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? So the two Emmaus 
wrote disciples like Jeremiah and David, they had burning hearts. Didn't our heart burn within us? Uh, Gypsy Smith uh, was once asked why God had used him in the way that he had used him through the years. And his answer was this. He said, I never lost the wonder of it all. I never lost the wonder of it all. And folks, let me just plead with you a little bit. Don't lose the wonder. We sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Oh, amazing grace, amazing grace, amazing. Don't lose the wonder. Don't lose the wonder. He saved me. I mean, took every sin away, filled my heart with joy and gladness, gave me excitement, gave me promises, gave me hope of the future. Don't lose the wonder of it all. Don't let anyone take it away from you. We live in a time when, you know, people are educated beyond their intelligence. It's okay to say amen. Amen. They want you to believe that the Bible is not dependable, that something else is important. But I want to tell you, nothing is more important than the revelation that God has given us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrated Christmas. Every day ought to be Christmas for the child of of God. Every day ought to be Resurrection Day. Every day ought to be Easter. Every day ought to be just Pentecost. Every day ought to be filled with the goodness of God. So we need a burning heart to keep us glowing. And you look at the story in verses 15 and 17 of Luke 24. You'll see that they had saddened hearts. And the scripture says, And it came to pass that... While they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden or restrained that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and and, and are sad? And Jesus joined them in their walk. and, And although at the first he didn't reveal himself to them, one of the things that he immediately noticed was their sadness. They were sad. Now why were they sad? Well, Jesus had been crucified, and they didn't know that he had been resurrected. Uh, Death was a major blow to them. Death was a major blow to their hopes and to their dreams. And their hopes and dreams are expressed in verse 21. They said, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And they thought that Jesus, the Messiah, would deliver them from from Roman rule and bondage. But... His death had uh, thrown cold water on such dreams. And so they were disappointed. They were saddened. Vance Havner said they were right in their chronology and in their theology, but they had no doxology. (laughs) Folks, we can be as straight as a gun barrel and just as empty at times. Amen. What we need a burning heart. 
And then they were not only, they not only had saddened hearts, but uh, they had gladdened hearts. Notice verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus took him on a journey through the scriptures, showing himself in all of the types, all of the foreshadows, all of the figures. And he, he talked to them and walked with them along the way. The fire started burning in their heart again. You know, I've told you before, when you read the Bible, look for Jesus. If you read the Bible and you don't find Jesus, reread the Bible because he's there on every page someplace. You read the story and see if Jesus isn't there somewhere. So what happened to them? Their hopelessness turned into hopefulness. Their consternation turned into expectation. Their desperation changed into inspiration. And their gloomy faces turned into glowing faces. And so, why do we need a burning heart for the, for the coming year? We need a burning heart to keep us going. We need a burning heart. Now, whenever I say to keep us going, I mean to keep us from quitting. We're, we're going. We're, we're going to do it. We need a burning heart to keep us growing. It'll keep us from becoming stale and stagnant in our spiritual walk. And then we need a burning heart to keep us glowing. It'll keep us dreaming, believing striving and reaching and this church right now you're at the place where you're looking for new leadership a new leader a new pastor i think i've told you before whenever you find a pastor you get one who's really tall you say how tall brother money well i'll tell you how tall tall enough to reach into heaven while he's on his knees Amen. You need a praying pastor, a believing pastor, someone that believes the word of God, some someone that will preach the word of God without fear or compromise, somebody that will love the church and love lost sinners and seek lost sinners and get people saved and major on evangelism. Outreach. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo I'm with you always even until the end of the age get a pastor that that knows God that loves God that loves lost people and wants to see them saved and that can pray and lift up the needs to God in prayer get that kind of fact don't get one that's just showy and fanciful don't look for certain you know certain uh, degrees do you know that Jesus would not have been uh, uh, he would not have qualified to pastor some of the churches that exist today because he didn't have the degrees that other people uh, required. Uh, it's just amazing to me. Get a person that loves the Lord and believes his word and will preach and be true to him. Well, uh, God's word will keep us going, keep us growing, keep us glowing. I want to come back to the text. Leviticus chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. A fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. And folks, I've shared with you something about that fire burning in your heart. You know the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, he talks about I am, I am dead both to the Greeks and to the barbarians to the wise and to the unwise and he said uh, I, I'm uh, I'm ready to preach and that that statement I'm 
ready to preach. It, it, actually, it has to do with fire. He says, I have a fire burning in me and I want to share the gospel with people. I'm a, a man on fire for the Lord. Whenever people get saved, a lot of times in our churches, they say, boy, that guy's on fire. And after they join the church for a while, a few weeks later, they, uh, they, it, it begins to simmer. It begins to go down. And why? Well, because they, they have to simmer down in order to stay in fellowship with the rest of us. <clears throat> oh, it'll, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Listen, folks, we need to let the fire burn in our hearts. Stay excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the fire shall be burning continually. And let's, let's let that happen in the year ahead. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. God has spoken to us in his word and by his preacher this morning. You know, impression without expression leads to suppression and results in depression. Whenever you hear a message of God and God speaks to your heart, it's time to make a decision. And this is decision time. You may be facing difficult times in the year ahead, trying times. But God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can depend upon Him. You can trust Him. And if you've not yet come to the place in your life where you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I'm giving you the opportunity this morning to make a public commitment to Him. Everyone in the New Testament who received Jesus Christ made a public confession. And if you want to be saved, the Bible says that you are to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead uh, and you will be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've not yet received Jesus Christ, this is the time to do so. If you need to recommit your life to Jesus and get a burning heart and let that heart be burning brightly in all the days and years that you have left, whatever, every hour, every minute is so important. Don't boast yourself about tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring forth. Live for Jesus today. Burn brightly for Jesus today and let him have his way. Heavenly Father, as we sing the hymn of invitation, help each one of us, having examined ourselves, to make whatever commitment that you're speaking to our hearts about. And whether we do it publicly or privately, help this to be a time of renewal and commitment to you, that Jesus Christ might be honored and glorified, for we pray in his name. Amen.